Good morning. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday after Christmas is from Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from its roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. And Jesus' father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. It's hard for us now to really understand the surprise that Jesus must have been for the faithful believers of his time. Mary and Joseph seem to be astonished basically every step of the way with him. The only people who don't seem quite as surprised as everyone else are the prophets, 
such as Simeon and Anna, who we just heard about in our gospel reading. And of course, time and time again, as Jesus lives his life here on this earth, he surprises everyone over and over again. And part of that is likely because of what our epistle talks about. With the coming of the Christ and with his accomplishing of our salvation, we are no longer being treated as slaves in the kingdom of God, but rather as the sons and the heirs that we were always supposed to be and that we always were. We are now being treated as the mature adult children of God, while at the same time recognizing that we still get to cry out, Abba, Father, or basically, Daddy, Daddy, since his spirit lives in our hearts. And that's what we're used to. We are used to being treated as New Testament Christians, as those who have had the fullness of the word of God revealed to us basically from the beginning. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we struggle sometimes with the Old Testament. Because we're not used to God talking to us like that. For us, we've always seen God robed in human flesh. We've always seen Jesus as the primary image of our God because he is the primary image of our God. But the people of the Old Testament didn't know that yet. They had some very different images, very different ways that God robed himself. Yet the astonishing truth is that all those images are in fact true images of our God, our Lord, and our Savior. That's how powerful and big and deep our God is. Just listen again to our intro for today, which speaks a bit about how God robes himself. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. So did you hear what the introit tells us about our Lord's robe? One of the things that we need to remember and that we need to think about is that the house of the Lord is essentially the same thing as his robe. And so, when you think of the house of the Lord in the Old Testament, you hopefully think of the tabernacle and the temple. That place where God came down and dwelled with his people. After the exodus, it was in the tabernacle. It was in that giant tent that he had created. A giant tent that he had built for himself. 
that he descended in, and that then after that, nobody could really enter, except in very certain circumstances and in very certain ways. And in the same way, he had the temple, the temple which was the permanent house of the Lord, the one that was built by Solomon. And in the same way, once he descended upon that, once he dwelled in the most holy place, you could only go into that most holy place at certain times and in a certain way. But what we might forget is that Jesus said that his own body was his temple, which means that his own body is the house of the Lord. One of the interesting things about our God, to sort of take a popular catchphrase and twist it a little bit, is that when he chooses to, he can put himself into a box. And that, in fact, he does that pretty regularly, actually. That's what he does when he robes himself. That's what he did when he descended down into the tabernacle and into the temple And of course, ultimately, what he did permanently when he took on human flesh. He contained the fullness of himself in a limited vessel, in a man, a human being, just like us. And so now, even now, his robe is humanity. He is still, even now, a man who is up in heaven on the throne. And so then, when our introit speaks of this robe, speaks of the house of the Lord, we must recognize that while that's also talking about the Old Testament and the temple, it is even now talking about the New Testament and his current robe, and therefore the robe that we too will one day receive. And so, what is the attributes of this robe? What's going on with this flesh that he has put on? Well, we see in our intro that the first thing that comes up is that holiness befits your house. That is to say that his house and his robe are holy. To be holy simply means to be set aside for God, set aside for his purposes. This is why only at certain times and in a certain way people could enter into the tabernacle and the temple. It had been holy. It had been set aside for those certain times and those certain places. Set aside for God's use. And in the same way, when Christ came down and became a man, he did the same thing for us. He set us aside as being holy. He set humanity aside as being holy, dedicated for his purposes. And so that robe that he wears even now and the robe that we wear even now is holy. But it's not just holy. He's also been robed in majesty. Because, you see, our Lord is most certainly a king. And if we could see the temple in particular, the one that Solomon built, we would probably be flabbergasted by how royal and rich it looked. All of the gold everywhere, all of the wood everywhere. 
And so, even now, though, as a human being, his robe is still majestic. He has brought his majesty with him and made humanity majestic. Which means that he made us majestic. But these robes aren't just holy, they aren't just majestic, they're also strong. And this one's a little bit hard for us, because we recognize that right now, we don't feel very strong. In fact, we recognize that right now, we aren't very strong. We recognize that right now, humanity has been so weakened by our original sin that the good things that we want to do, we somehow end up not doing. And whenever along comes a sin that we really don't want to do, we somehow end up doing it anyways. That's how weak we've become. That we can't do the good things that we want to do, and yet we always seem to do the bad things that we don't actually want to do. That's how corrupted our sinful nature is. How weak our human nature is right now. But our Lord, when he came down and when he became flesh, when he took on our human nature, he proved that humanity doesn't have to be weak. He proved that humanity doesn't have to be corrupted, that humanity doesn't have to be sinful. And in fact, in himself, When he died on the cross for our sins, he purified humanity. He made it so that we aren't weak, so that we don't have to be corrupted, so that we don't have to do all of the bad things, so that we are able to do the good things. And so he truly is robed in his strength. Humanity is strong in Christ. And we recognize that the day will come eventually when even though we don't experience it now, that the day will come when we will experience that fully. That the day will come when our robes, our bodies will be clothed in holiness, majesty, and strength. And oh, how we look forward to that day. Because, of course, we recognize that our introit is also talking about the Lord's reign, the Lord's kingdom here. And the first thing that it points out, the very first line of our introit, is that your decrees are trustworthy. And what has our Lord decreed of us other than that we are forgiven? That we have been made free. That we are being sanctified. That we, in fact, are holy, majestic, and strong in him. And you can trust those decrees because the Lord's kingdom is not some wishy-washy thing that's going to be blown away at the first storm. The Lord's throne was established from of old. He is from everlasting, which means that he is from eternity in the past, and he will be to eternity in the future. In fact, he is so everlasting, his throne is so established that even the world will never be moved. 
Even though the world is going to be destroyed at the end of days, he is going to recreate it. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, which we'll be hearing a little bit about in our Bible study here in January, about what some of that might look like. Because one of the things that we tend to forget sometimes is that we are actually going to be living on the new earth with God, in our robes, in our bodies. And so, no matter what floods rise up, no matter what sort of bad things happen in this world, nothing can overtake our Lord. Nothing is mightier than He is. Our Lord, our mighty Lord, chose to robe Himself with human flesh, chose to take upon Himself our human nature, The one who in the Old Testament is robed in holiness, majesty, and strength. Whose houses included the tabernacle and the glories of the temple. That Lord also made his home in a human body and nature. Which means that these bodies of ours, and most especially that body of his, is also now a robe of of holiness, majesty, and strength. By his choosing to become one of us, he elevated humanity to be as high as he is. In him, humanity is mightier than the thunder of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea. In him, Christ the Lord, man is mighty. There are no floods that can defeat him. They tried, though. The floods tried to defeat him. The nations tried to rise up against him. Death itself tried to swallow him up in its depths. And the devil himself tried to tempt him away from his kingdom. But he rose above them. In fact, he was lifted up above them by their very own waves. Lifted up on a tree and set as what they thought would be an example of those who tried to stand against them. They even thought that they might have won when he gave his life on that cross. But they did not. For our Lord, our Christ, our Jesus, our man, wasn't done yet. He rose up out of the flood of the nations and death and the devil and proved in truth that nothing can stand against our mighty God. Neither the nations of this world, nor death, nor the devil, nor even sin can defeat our man. Our man who is indeed the mighty ruler of all things. Our man who did all of this to ensure that we, Humanity would indeed take our place as his brothers and sisters, who won our salvation, the forgiveness of our sins in that one act. Our God, who even now in Christ still wears the holy, majestic, and strong robe of humanity. Our Lord, who is even now still man, and is sitting on the throne that he established forever. 
our Lord's reign has been established. And he has promised that he will return for us. He has decreed that he shall come and save us out of this world of floods and darkness. Whether he does this through our deaths in the faith or through his return at the end of days is up to him. But he will come. And when he does come, because of what he accomplished while wearing his robe on the cross, the robe of his and our humanity, and because even now the spirit of sonship lives in your hearts and has created faith and trust inside of you, he will be coming to take you fully into his reign, fully into his everlasting presence. And when that day comes, our robes too will be made perfectly holy, perfectly majestic, and perfectly strong. This is what our Lord has done for you. This is what our man has done for you. For he loves you, and he wants you to be with him in his eternal and everlasting kingdom. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.